Welcome to the fourth episode of Easter Mall 2023 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, who joined me this season is the guy who makes a habit of never asking people for personal details, David Bindley. Quack, quack. Thank you. <laughs> How do I respond to you quacking at me? <laughs> who knows? And this, this was yet again a fairly interesting episode. This was a good one. Yeah. It wasn't what I was expecting. No. Which is nice. I, I sort of figured we weren't going to get exactly the same thing with the briefcases that Belgia and Germany did, but this was a good version of it. Especially as I'm interested to see how it impacts next week more than anything. And my week's been a bit interesting. We'll start with, obviously, the big highlight. Took the dogs in out yesterday, and we take him out in an area that's kind of two fields dissected by a lane. Yeah. Ludo is on the lead in the lane, because he's a good boy. He just kind of stands there until you put it on. But we were walking down this lane, this girl was coming from the other direction, back from school, and she was on her phone, dead in the middle of the lane. And my dad was like, I'm going to see how close we can get before she spots him. And she just kind of looks up from her phone and just goes, oh, wow. Aww. And then um, her, and her, uh, her and her friend gave Ludo the attention he so rightly deserves. Yeah. And then last Wednesday, as you all know, I was away with work. I was weirdly staying in Manchester, which isn't too far at all for me, but oh. I got to do axe throwing, Oh, which probably would have been rather helpful for one of the historians that's coming up this year if we'd recorded it after me doing that, but yeah, I got to do axe throwing and I was utterly terrible at it. Did you get it stuck in the wood? Oh, all the time. I was the biggest liability on our uh, axe throwing court, I suppose is the best way to describe it. Yeah, well done. To the point where the instructor was actually being incredibly sarcastic to my face. At one point mumbled to me, I see my sarcasm isn't being very much appreciated. I went, no it's not. I'm being shit. But probably the most interesting thing to anyone listening to this is the fact that last Saturday I was in York for a quizzing event mm-hmm. hosted by none other than Paul Sinner. Did you lose? I did lose, obviously. <laughs> but the big fun element of this is after the, it was split into three rounds of like 50 or 75 questions. And after yep. the second round, I was at the bar and um, Paul was there and he was like, have we met before? I'm like, yes, you thrashed me on the chase. And his response was, oh, I'm sorry about that. No, he's not. And then in the evening, we were kind of seeded into, there was, there was monetary prizes. I was nowhere near it because it was professional quizzes there. I was just there to, A, get one of the fastest answers, which I did three times, and B, more importantly, beat my group of friends I was there with. But then in the evening, we were kind of drafted into pub quiz style teams, and I was on a pub quiz style team with Anne Hegarty. Oh. Yes. And I had to teach her what Timmy Mallet's Mallet was called. (laughs) The randomly generated sentence that I could have come up with, I taught Anne Hegarty what Timmy Mallet's Hammer was called. As long as you didn't have to teach her about the Kim Kardashian type. I did not. That was Paul Sinner. And I did not introduce myself as the guy who told you a sex tape joke. But of the three answers that I was the fastest on in the room, and there was it was the best part of 100 people there, so I was very proud of myself for getting any fastest answers. Um, one of them was probably going to be fairly interesting to you, because cause I buzzed in when I heard the phrase, which tomb in Delhi? Hermione's tomb? It was indeed Hermione's tomb. So I buzzed in with Hermione's tomb after five words, and I was the fastest. Oh, wow. The other questions that I was fastest on was one about uh, Sarah Borellis, and um, one about the guys who now own Asda, the Issa brothers, but the hint at the end of the question was to do with Issa Schultz off of the Chase Australia. Huh. I don't think I would have gotten either of those questions. 
yeah. So I was I was quite proud of myself. I did yeah. better than anticipated. I was I was I was top fifty, I think, in the room, which is kind of about how well I expected to do. Well done. There were some very good quizzes in there. There was a guy there who won a million quid on Millionaire. Yep. There was obviously Anne, who mm-hmm. came fourth, fifth in the end, something like that. There was Countdown Champions. There was people who've done every quiz show imaginable. So I was just there to beat my friends, and I did, which is kind of all that matters. Yay. And this week mm-hmm. I've got absolutely nothing planned, so don't expect any fun stories next week. That's all right. So anyway, back to this episode. Previously, the final eight cooperated on a sand dune before duping each other to win the first Yokers of the season. When given a dilemma aboard a ship, Saw, Yora, and Daniel chose to get their own Yokers over money for the pot, but it was Sander who was all at sea, as he was the third person sent home. And they begin the episode by checking out the hotel finally, and it is Yora who actually narrates this first bit of the episode. They are heading to Tullback in the wine country. Yay, out of Cape Town. And where in the world is our friend Logan Sorbers, who still hasn't sent me a suspicion to last week? Hasn't he? No. Uh, what a get. I can probably explain that because he's stuck in a Vietnamese karaoke bar trying to sing Hit Me Baby one more time while receiving a back massage. The good news is the Robo Bunny costume he asked to wear is keeping his head in place. The bad news is the massage lady stopped five minutes ago and he hasn't noticed. Ah, fun. So Rick tells us that thanks to the lack of mole money, yet, the boys got away with their dupe aboard the ship. However, a time will come very soon when they will find out how much is in the pot and the next loser could deflect their fate. The episode title is Walking Away, and it is day seven in Cape Town, and Anka has a theory about the physical money in a van with the three Yoka takers. She says that the reason they don't have physical cash is so that they won't find out whether Yokas were taken last week. And all I have to say is, no, it's because the designs are routinely shit and they've finally seen the light. Sadly, this was, of course, written before we saw that they do have more money. It doesn't look like good more money this season. It's prettier than some of them they've done. I'll give them that. It's not the child drawing one. No. The, the Czechia money wasn't bad from memory. No, and as much as I obviously take the piss out of the China money for being on the whole dreadful, thanks to children, there was a China note that was actually really good, which was the mole location one. Yeah. I have a soft spot for that one because it actually was quite pretty and was obviously professionally done rather than, you know, just letting your child draw something. Mm. And in the other van, they are admiring the scenery. Nabil is appreciative, which is never a good sign for someone whose team he's on. Rick meets them in Ceres, which is the heart of South African fruit growing. And they're going to be going into the big crate maze behind him one by one. If they succeed at bringing the packing slips through to the exit, they will earn money for the pots. However, the maze moves just to make it a bit more difficult, and the passageways will open and close. When they press buttons in the maze, the drone will appear and show the others parts of the route and more importantly, the location of the enemy in the maze trying to take them out. In the control room, they can also see how long it will be until the doors open or close next, and they've got 45 minutes total, and have to decide how long each person will have in the maze. If they overstay their time, they will lose all the money that they are carrying. This felt like there was maybe one or two too many layers for this to be a really, really good challenge, but it was it was pretty good. It just wasn't extraordinary like most challenges usually are. No, it was interesting, but it wasn't spectacular. Yeah. So they decide that Daniel will go first with seven minutes and Soy last with eight, leaving six minutes each for the other five. How do you think you would sabotage this as a mole? I think I'd probably maybe go like third or fourth, so then that way there's 
probably a decent amount of money already already being claimed that you can just get caught and lose completely. You can grab your own because there's still plenty in there, but then you're also far enough away from the end that you avoid suspicion. Yeah, because I think the mole tactic might be, given the angle is vertical rather than horizontal, to find the packing slips because the mole will know where they are and then just start hiding them because there were two that were unaccounted for and everyone towards the end was very sure that everything had been found. I do also think it's interesting that they didn't draw attention to the fact that Daniel did get eliminated with a packing slip. Like, nobody seems to have realised that. I don't know. I I feel like it would have been pretty easy to hide them. Like, you can just basically throw them inside the little gaps in the crates. But I think if you're going to do that, and you're like somebody like Daniel, why would you have one with you when you get caught anyway? Yeah, true. So Daniel says his plan was very simple. By going first, you have the most influence over the team. He pushes two buttons, and then they spot the opponent coming for him. A door opens, but he's boxed in with two minutes and 25 left, and loses the packing slip he's carrying. Nabil is second and says there are some shenanigans with the walkie-talkie. He pushes the button, but there's still no communication for the first three minutes of his six minutes' time. And his walkie-talkie was turned off. Hmm. He has four packing slips before he can get in contact with anyone, and they are worth 450 euros. He leaves them by the entrance and returns to the team. It's interesting that the um, walkie-talkies were playing up, because normally in that situation it's people holding the button down, but we see him and Soy both let go of the buttons for a bit. So unless they, unless they were both holding it down, and then one of them let go at the exact right time, I think there was something else going on there. Yeah, usually if it's a mole sabotage, we'll have someone in confessional going, oh, I have any time those walkie-talkies on the mole, you know that someone's going to start messing around. Yeah. So I don't know if that was a mole sabotage. I think that was maybe just a bit of incompetence, which is interesting. Mm. So Yura is up third and grabs the four packing slips from the entrance, and as door number two opens, he gets cornered by the chaser and loses all of his money. Anchors fourth and walks slowly... Those that went before her ran and ran into the chaser in no time. And she presses the first two buttons and almost reaches the exit, but has no money with her. She gets back to the entrance, but it's already closed, and receives the hug of death from the chaser. I love how, like, this is supposed to be a scary sort of thing, and that obviously, you know, dressed in black and all that sort of shit. But then it's just, oh, the dude might give you a hug and then you're out. Well, that's the thing. The only person that we see get eliminated by a literal hug of death is Anka. Everyone else just kind of, he corners them with his arms. Whereas Anka, he goes a step further and just, you know, gives her a bit of a hug. Oh god, the, the like the full horror film edit when Annie gets eliminated. It tickled me more that they include it in the montage at the end. <laughs> I'm gonna miss her so much. I think in the first four weeks of this season she's got three of the banners in some capacity. Aww. Because this week's one is is Soy looking very confused at the walkie-talkie situation with Nabil. But mm. uh, obviously her and Yora and Anka are also there, just to kind of be a bit perplexed in. Yeah. So Anik is fifth, and almost runs into the guy straight away. And she runs back to the entrance, but then the entrance closes on her. She grabs her packing slip, and the chaser just toys with her and eliminates her as she screams her head off. I, I love how that she... She was the first person to have the genius strategy of talking quietly so he doesn't hear you. And then by the end, she's just screaming her lungs out. I'm so glad that we got Anik to do this challenge. I know. 
one of the issues I have with like the maze challenges and all the sort of challenges like this is they're not really as you know as fun as they are to do and as good ideas as they are they're not really interesting to watch because you've got you know repetitive scenery on one end with people basically just running around in crates you're not really sure where they are then on the other end you've basically just got people standing around watching tv and it's only really when you when you see the the uh chasers chasing them that it's really like sort of interesting but then by that point it's too late in the person's attempt for it to actually amount to anything uh, worthwhile yeah i mean i've said it before in other episodes usually on amazing race to be honest there are some challenges that just look way more fun to do than to talk about or to watch and i think this is probably one of them but not to the same extent as we sometimes complain about yeah this isn't as bad as say some of the uh, lesser laser tag challenges. This one would be infinitely worse if the doors didn't move. Yeah. So Renomi is sick, then presses two buttons quickly. She finds 300 euros worth of slips and then leaves the maze with them, and that's literally all I have to say about Renomi based in this entire episode, which is hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's the most she's talked all season, and that's all we have. And then Soy is last and nearly gets crushed by a door. He presses the third button and then sees the chaser and walks out of the maze with no money. Rick then meets them afterwards and says that they've worked better and more relaxed than today. Of the 2,000 euros that they could have found on 15 slips, only Renomi's two were 300 euros made it to the exit, and two of the slips weren't even found. Did you catch Nabil being a shady bitch in this? I don't think I noted it down, now. Okay, so Renomi gets out, and then she starts singing that she got the 300 euros, and, and then Nabil's like, oh, we can use that money to pay for singing lessons for you. I'm warming up to Nabil, I have to say even though I'm sort of predispositioned to liking him because he's on my team, I'm warming up to him just being sneaky. He's still obviously not Anik level, but I'm warming up to him. It's crazy to think that now that Anik's gone, he's the oldest person left. Yeah, I know. As much as we joke about all the old people being cannon fodder on this show, they kind of were this season. Yeah. I mean, Anik is the biggest loss. But we all knew Sander wasn't going to be there for very long. Well... Two of us did. If you believe what you see on our Twitter and Instagram, then Logan suspected Sander last week. <clears throat> Although, didn't he also suspect Pity Jan Hagens? He did, actually, yeah. And uh, your own, obviously. Yeah. And if you think we're not going to milk that joke for all it's worth, you haven't listened to these podcasts before. No. Because I may or may not have fake suspicions lined up for Logan every single week of this season, just in case he doesn't send them over in time. So Renobi then gets confessional about her goal being to win the pot, and thankfully that means that she's going to go home soon. And the next morning at breakfast, they just decide to try and not talk about them all too much. And then they spot an envelope on the breakfast table. And they will need to split into two groups, one of five who want to use physical effort to earn money this morning, and two who may want to stay behind a while and have another coffee. As much comedy as there was in this episode, I think the funniest thing for me is like the group deferring to Daniel and him being like, eh, I don't feel like exerting myself today. <laughs> You guys go have fun. That's the thing. Like, We don't really know how to treat Daniel in this season so far because we obviously really like him, but he occasionally does slightly shady shit that makes him a bit suspicious, although maybe this episode rules him out a little bit. Yeah. But we find out that in the space of a day, the group goes from, oh yeah, we want Daniel to do all our decisions in this challenge to nobody trusting him in the briefcase challenge. So it's not just us who don't 
really know how to take Daniel, I think. And like I, I get that this specific situation is probably because he's doing that whole strategy with like playing the numbers on the test. And if he's in the smaller group, then there's more of a chance that the group of five will be a correct answer for him. But at the same time, you kind of want to be in the group of five in this challenge so you can at least see what's going on. And also, this is a classic trap challenge. They haven't done one of these on Bidden for years. No, I think the last one was Iceland. And I know we've said it before this season, but actually, I'm pleasantly surprised with how good the production's been and how slightly old school they're taking it. It's been an interesting season with like half... Belgia is inspiration, and half old school Vidim is inspiration, and it's kind of fusing them together really well, considering. Yeah, it's sticking the landing after four episodes. Of course, we say this before the inevitable, like, stupid train game or something that eliminates a favourite. Can't wait for a double elimination and then two non eliminations in a row just to catch up. Oh, God. I was thinking about this a few days ago. Has the episode order actually been confirmed for this season? I don't think so. Might be in the mole book here, but I don't know. Yeah, because I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it's nine episodes, including the reunion, because Mm. then they don't have to do the non-elim like last year. Yeah. But also it gets them broadly to the finale date that they normally do. Because this season started as late as it basically has in years. I think China's the only one that started later. I think China started about the 10th of Jan. But that then means that the finale date isn't till like March 11th or something it's really really late that's going to be the worst birthday ever for me well it depends who it is yeah if it's Daniel and Masters of Mole I think you'd quite appreciate it actually but yeah a whole season with Daniel I'm completely fine with that usually they aim the reunion for somewhere sort of right at the start of March yeah and let's be honest it'll still be 10 episodes it'll still do stupid bullshit non-elimination but Mm. I'm putting it out there, I wouldn't be surprised if they only do nine apps. It might explain why the prize money's been a little bit higher as well, if they don't have to stretch it out as far. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well, because there's always at least one episode that really drags, and it is usually an honor but yeah. they have been a lot more generous with the prize money, like this challenge, for example, is €3,000, whereas mm. they are very reluctant to give them more than about 2000 for most challenges. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. I don't know whether I'm right or not, but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if the reunion date ended up being the start of March as normal. Yeah, I, I don't mind if they're if one of the things they're taking from Belgia is only having eight episodes plus a reunion. I think it would work. Yeah. Really, the only thing I can say that this season hasn't got right is as much as like all of these people are really interesting characters on their own. I don't feel like we're getting a good grasp of how many of them interact as a group aside from the fuck bond. Yeah. Like, there's a couple of scenes in this episode where Nabil and Anik are at each other's throats. And I'm like, it's episode four. Why don't we know anything about what's led up to this? So the physical effort five, which is everyone apart from Daniel and Anik, because Daniel insists on staying behind, which Anik finds suspicious as he's someone who wants to do everything all the time. The Physical Effort 5 find a huge wooden duck and an instruction telling them that on top of the mountain is a box containing 3,000 euros. They also receive a phone and have one hour to reach the top of the mountain, three kilometres away. Rick tells Daniel and Anik that the other five are at the Oedicliff Wine Estates, pulling a three metre high rubber duck up a mountain. However, the box with the money also contains a question mark envelope, the temptation of every mole contestant. 
and inside it is a slip saying that by opening it, they will nullify the money for the challenge. One of them will be taken up in a plane by Francois, and that plane has a number written on the side which they can call to find out the envelope is bad news. However, they have to find out where Francois is first, and to do that, they have to head to the swimming pool of the hotel. In the swimming pool there are a lot of rubber ducks, and they have nets to fish them out, and at some point they just find ducks with hyphens and realise they've been given coordinates, and Anik has never heard of coordinates before. Oh god. Something very interesting about this challenge that I can't remember the last time they actually did. They're letting Daniel drive. Hmm. Um, I couldn't think of anything either. There, like, there wouldn't have been any in China, for obvious reasons. No, there was there was a driving challenge in China. It was the car park one. Yeah, but actually driving on real roads. Uh, I can't remember the last time that that one of the contestants got to drive between two of the locations. Portland, with the the book challenge. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was because I, I there wouldn't have been any the last couple of seasons because of COVID. They wouldn't have been able to get approval for it in China. Oh, I just thought of an obvious one. Elba Renaissance. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting when these things crop up because they're mm. very rare in Vidim. Yeah, and speaking of you know things popping up, any idea what the rubber ducks are all about this season? I don't know because because this is third, fourth time they've turned up. Yeah, there's been one in every episode apparently. Yeah, because there was. There was one in that group of props in the music challenge where you had to like play the tone or whatever it was. That was one of the like the fake things there. There was one in the prop warehouse, I think. And then last week there wasn't one, but somebody said ducks like something to do with ducks during the quiz. Yeah, they did. I'm wondering whether it's like just foreshadowing for this, like the poker face was just foreshadowing for the the next challenge, but I don't know. It seems like the sort of thing that feels like it should be more than, you know, just a random challenge mid-season. The only thing I can think of is maybe one of the ducks had a hint of the mole on the bottom. Or something like that. Yeah. Especially if it was something like the the duck in the music challenge had a clue on it, and the duck in the prop warehouse had a clue on it. And it just spelled out Daniel Verlan, something like that. For the record, I don't think Daniel's a mole. I'm just trying to lead people towards Daniel for fun now. Segura tells us that Nabil would be a good sports coach. However, they somehow managed to get a flat tyre on the duck. Oh boy. Has someone finally done a Philippe and managed to pop a tyre? I'm genuinely a little bit interested as to how that happened. I don't know. I couldn't work it out either. Because like nobody was anywhere near the tyre when it happened. It's not the sort of thing where you can, you know, put like a nail down to make it pop. No, the key thing is, I think, we didn't see it pop. Yeah. We heard it pop. We saw Mm. the aftermath of it popping. But we didn't see it popping. Which suggests to me, given that, let's be honest, we know the mould was on that team somewhere, that the mould did something to pop that tyre. Because the moles. Two tactics here are either slow the team down so much that they don't get to the top, or speed the team up so they do get to the top, and rush into going, ooh, this might be a yoke for each of us, and open that envelope. And the reservation I have, skipping to the end of this challenge, about Yura immediately opening the envelope, is it feels too blatant. Yeah. 
the fact that we saw it on camera feels way too blatant. I feel like they would have put a bit of intrigue in it if it was Yora who was the mole, because they didn't want us to find it out four episodes in. The one thing that's making me not think that is everyone last season basically did nothing. Renee was sidelined for a fair bit of the season because uh, basically they just didn't let her do anything. Euroan was Euroan. So it's been basically four seasons since we've had a mole who actually did things. And I feel like maybe with that in mind, they might be going for somebody blatant this year. I'm having a hard time with Yora at the yeah. moment, I'll be honest. Because it feels so much to me like he's just blatantly trying to sabotage and get attention. Yeah. I mean, spoilers, he is in my top two this week just to sort of allay my fears. But I kind of don't think it's him still. (laughs) I'm really struggling this season with suspicions. I'll be honest. It was weird because I think it was him who complained about having a sore trachea when they were wheeling the duck. And I'm like, surely it should have been one of the other four people who sh- who were complaining about being stuck out there with a the pain in the neck. <laughs> that is a very good joke. So, Anik and Daniel decide that Daniel will go up in the air and Anik will stay in the ground to convince them as Daniel needs to earn more trust so Anik gets to do the less fun part. And being perfectly honest, if I'd seen the size of that plane, I'm not sure I would have wanted to go in it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have wanted to go in there with Francois, who looks more like a grizzled sea captain than a pilot. I'm not a bad flyer, but I think I would have had a bit of a problem with how small that plane was. Yeah. Daniel looked terrified. Yeah, Daniel looks terrified because he said that he only just fit in it. And, I mean, I'm significantly taller than Daniel is, I think. I think Daniel's about 5'7". So Daniel takes off as the other team have 11 minutes left and 500 metres to go. And he tries to shout to them from the plane, but obviously they don't hear him because he's far too high up. They spot the plane flying over, and Renomi spots that there is a code underneath, and they get the first two parts of the number, but keep pushing with the duck. And the wheel by this point is really, really fucked. The wheel is basically horizontal. Hmm. The wheel. <laughs> oh, God. And they then ring the number, but Anik talks too much, and Yora opens the envelope because he can't be asked waiting for her, meaning that they earn nothing of 3,000 euros. Rick asks where it went wrong, and then tells them to prepare for the test. And Annick's excuse about not rattling straight into the don't open the envelope is because she needed to build up some trust with the group first. God, her, her being all, you know, you did well, but thanks for wasting your time just made me laugh so hard. I kind of love how passive-aggressive everyone's just being in this season now. Like, nobody cares anymore. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it is now time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Nabil suspects Renomi. She's bad in the background and a good mole is unexpected. It's not for nothing that they went out with a rubber duck when she is a swimming champion. Daniel is on Yura, Soy and Renomi and maybe a bit Anik. He is especially on Yura though. Anik didn't ask people for personal details so she doesn't know where the mole was born. All she knows is that Daniel was born in Luxembourg. So that's why she picks it. Yeah, so that's why she picks it, and evidently goes potentially straight ticket on him. Yora says you sink through the ground ten times during the test, you feel like such an idiot. You want to spread well, but often it is just gambling. Renomi is trying to write things down, but she's doing probability calculations for the questions she's not sure of. Soy is entering the test on four suspects, but when he sees the questions, he's tempted to enter a tunnel. He's asked if the mole opened a box, and while Renomi was there, he trusts Yora, so says no. And Anchor is on Soy, Renomi and Nabil. 
and she writes everything down on those three. After the test, they are told that they have a glass of wine waiting, and they are expecting a catch, but the catch doesn't come until the next morning. On the morning of day nine, they are brought to Brick individually, and he tells them they're about to see their screen in front of each other, only they will see their screen, but everyone else will see their reactions. It is smart to put their poker face on, as if they have a red screen, there is a chance that they could still stay in the game. So there are seven suitcases in the wine cellar, and each suitcase contains a different amount of mole money ugh, from the pot. If the person with the red screen has one of the three highest amounts, the person with the second worst results will go home. Whoever leaves will go home taking the money in their suitcase from the pot. So the suitcases are 2,500 euros, 2,250, 2,000 euros, 750, 500, 350, and absolutely nothing. And I have just one note on people typing in and finding their screen, which is, of course, I love how Anik types exactly how you'd expect Anik to type. (laughs) Two fingers. (laughs) Anik types like an old person. (laughs) Anik, this episode really reminded me of Angela Grothausen. Yeah, I love her. I genuinely love her. And then Anka says at the table that they trust her and she wants a high suitcase amount. And do you think the mole would want a high amount or a low amount? I think they'd probably want a low amount, but they wouldn't complain about getting a high amount because then that makes them look a little bit more like a genuine player. Like, I think the mole would have been happy with anything, pretty much. I also think, unlike the Belgian version of this, the mole didn't get a tip-off as to who was going. I can't imagine anywhere where they would have gotten a tip-off. No, because in the Belgian version, it was the position of a word in Gilles' sentence, and then he said, yeah. oh, and by the way, the moles just found out who's going home. Hmm. But, I don't think the mole got a tip-off in this one. Yeah, no, the, on- the only way I can even think of them even possibly getting a tip-off is they did their test last, and then by that point the result was already known. Or alternatively, Rick said to them in in his spiel, when they were brought to him individually, that, oh, by the way, this is the person who's going home. Yeah. That's the only position I can think of it being. Hmm. And we're in agreement they didn't actually see, like, full normal red and green screens. Not a chance in hell, it's too much danger. Yeah. Because you'd have to insist that people weren't wearing certain colours to reflect the light, or in the case of um, the terrible Netflix version of the mole, have it blasted into their faces. Mm. And also, you probably wouldn't have done it in front of a wall of glass bottles. Well, exactly, yeah. It could only have been the word red or green, I think, or safe or executed. So Soy wants him, Anka, and Nabil to have the three highest suitcases... Anchor has done the calculations and realises that the boys lied about not taking the yokers, and she says it's a matter of trust and they cannot be trusted, and therefore they don't get to choose their suitcases. Soy says in this game you're not 100% yourself, you're a candidate who wants to get as far as you can. And Renomi takes a big risk and takes the 500 euro suitcase, Nabil takes 2,500, Anchor 2,250 and Daniel 2,000. Anchor then says she's very doubtful about Anik and Yura, so wants them to have low suitcases, She's taking advantage of the group's trust, taking control, and giving Daniel 2,000 euros, Nabil 2,500, and Soy 2,250. She thinks Soy is the mole or has done well. She suspects Nabil, and she trusts Daniel, so wants to protect him. Anik gets zero, Euro 350, Renomi 500, and she gives herself 750. Rick then tells them that one of the top three got the red screen, 
perhaps either Soy, Daniel, or Nabil have saved themselves from execution. Anik is then the first name typed in, and it is a straight red, but that does give them nothing of nothing for the challenge, 300 euros of 5,000 for the episode, and 8,350 of 23,500 for the season so far. You know what question's coming next. Who do you think got the red screen? Uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting that with the when they were doing the test, we found out who Daniel suspected. We found out who uh, Nabil suspected, and he was, you know, full-on Renomi, which seems odd because, you know, what has she done? But then we don't see anything from Soy, I don't think, or Soy was the one who was still on four people at this point in the game. Yeah, so Soy said he's entering the test on four suspects, but when he sees the questions, he's tempted to enter a tunnel. He's asked if the mole opened the box, and while Renomi was there, he trusts Yoris to says no. Yeah, so Nabil's basically straight ticket on Renomi. Daniel's still spreading, but mostly on Yura. Soy is all over the place. Like, I think it depends on how the questions that can apply to multiple players, like how those got divvied up a little bit. Just based on the suspicions, I would say Nabil, because there's no effing way it's Renomi. No, and a fair few people said they suspected Renomi this week, which is why I thought Renomi was probably going to go. Yeah, but it was really interesting that we didn't get a lot of suspicions at all this week, which makes me think we're sort of at the point where everybody knows who the mole is and they're like sort of just waffling on to pretend like they don't. I don't think it was Daniel who got the red screen, only because if it was Daniel, next episode we would see a chat between him and his fuckbond anchor going, oh, by the way, it was me. So this is yeah. this is the information that I have who it definitely isn't. Because it was established when the fuckbond was that if one of them got a red screen, the other one would know who not to suspect anymore. So if it was Daniel, it won't be left until the reunion. If we don't find out next yeah. week that Daniel got the red screen, then it was one of Soy on Nabil. And I think it was probably Soy. Yeah. Because Daniel would have fought a lot more if it was him. Yeah. And I think Nabil was quite true to how Nabil is in conversations. Yeah. Whereas Soy was a little bit different. I think Soy being on so many people versus Nabil being straight ticket on somebody who is pretty clearly not the mole. That is a really interesting sort of, you know, which way is the right way to play the game a little bit, sort of, I guess, strategy question. Yeah. Yeah, the other interesting thing I think is Soy is maybe not, like, in a tight group with anybody, like, definitely not like a fuckbond or anything, but I think Soy is a lot closer to people than Nabil is because the only real interaction we've seen with Nabil is he's talking with Sander last week. And obviously that's not going to be a big help. But with Soy, I think we've got like little bits and pieces that show he's a little bit more like aware of different things. Yeah, I think in the very first episode, we had it established that him, Yora, and Sarah know each other from outside of the game. Yeah. So I think that's his, his in, for want of a better term. So Anik says that the game was played very dirty, but well played whoever beat her. And she's very sorry that she's out, but she really enjoyed herself. It's an intense game, which she didn't expect. And of course, in her montage, they do show her screaming in the face of the chaser. Yay. Which coincidentally is also something I did on Saturday. 
Rick then returns and says he wants Nabil and Soy, the two people with the highest suitcase values, to come with him. Next time, Soy and Nabil get to play with the pot, everyone searches for people carrying chairs, and there is a trip to a haunted hotel. And a lady who makes socks for cats. Yes. I'm sure we will have a lot of fun with her. <laughs> I can't believe that was you know, one of the things they decided to put in the preview for next week. I can. It's sort of crazy shit that obviously you try and tempt us with. I mean, it's obvious, you know, bait for you and me. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I've said this a lot with the Belgian episodes. If you just want to bait us, please do it, production. If you just want to give us stupid shit in previews that you want us to talk about, please do it. Because I am up for it. Yeah. Embrace the dumbass. So, in the pool, with Anik going home, Logan gets a reprieve as Michelle now only has Soy and Yura left. Logan still has Renomi, and I have Daniel, Anka, and Nabil. I do also have to point out that if there is an execution next week, and my team is still intact, I am guaranteed someone from the final three. Removing Anik improves Michelle's score and first suspicions to 4.39. If you adjust, Logan's is now 3.89 out of 6. Mine is 3.51 out of 6, and Michelle's is 3.29. If you don't adjust, Michelle is now on 4.39 out of 10 for her team. Three people, Fly 101, a Fuzzy Orange, and our very own Logan Saunders all had Anakin last, which means I can't take the piss out of him this week annoyingly, and still meaning that our current leader is Reed with a score of 23, where the minimum is 21. Five people, Reed, a Fuzzy Orange, Fly 101, Egan, and me all have a score of 25 or lower, and two people, Mayor of Squirtle and Sandra, had her at number one. The order is now Yora Anka, Nabil Soy, swap from last week, Daniel and Renomi. And interestingly, the top three are all less suspicious to those of us doing the pool than the average, and the bottom three are more suspicious to us. As of Sunday evening, Soy is the most suspected person by the Netherlands with 22%, followed by Nabil and Renomi both on 17, Anka on 16, Yora on 15, and Daniel on 13. You can do the Buzzbar Suspect List each week at suspectlist.rtvwarriors.com or at the link in our bio. And you know what's coming next. Who do you suspect this week? Well, you know, as always. I can't wait uh, for Yuris to go home and it just be an absolute red streak. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's still Yura. I think he was in like the right position in the maze. He seems to be the only person who noticed the plane the first time it flew over and managed to avoid getting caught by it. He... Open up the envelope, got a, a low case, and then didn't really argue about it. Like I think there's enough here that even though it was acquired a week for him, he was still plenty suspicious here. Second is Nabil because he's sort of becoming more and more suspicious as less and less people are there. With things like you know trying to get people to start like the final push basically as soon as that plane there. So I don't know whether he heard it and decided to rush to the top of the mountain to hope the envelope got opened or not. Like, I think there's more stuff with Nabil as well. And then you've got Anka, who's sort of basically there by default at this point, because I think once you get down this far, it's sort of harder to find reasons for people at this point. But Anka is like a little bit more suspicious than Soy, because Soy had a really quiet week this week for some reason. Like, Soy did not do a hell of a lot of anything in any of the challenges, which we haven't really talked about. Um... But, you know, what is there to talk about? And then, obviously, it's not Daniel and it's not Renomi, who I think 
had a brilliant strategy by basically just grabbing one of the low cases and just being like, I trust myself enough to get through this test. I don't care who gets the big money, which I think is a really interesting way to play it as a contestant if you don't know about the twist at the end of the episode. Like maybe the two people with the big cases, if she'd known about that, she wouldn't have done it. But I think taking that small case, I think was a way of sort of seeing, like testing how her mole reacted. And I think she got what she wanted there. So I feel like definitely a contestant, maybe more than Daniel even. Daniel's at least sabotaging things. I think she's probably the biggest contestant contestant we've had in a long time. Yeah, she's the biggest contestant contestant since Rocky. Yeah. I would say. And then, you know, obviously not Anik. No, sadly. Although I may continue the joke of Logan suspecting Anik. So I'm going to go from bottom to top this week, just to spice things up slightly. So obviously it's not Renomi for every reason that you've just set out. She's a contestant. If you trust Anik, then Daniel is a contestant, so he is my fifth. I've dropped Soy out of my top three for the first time all season, because as you said, we just didn't see him this week. I mean, he had a good reaction to the whole Nabil walkie-talkie situation, Mm. but we didn't really get much out of him. And it's also worth pointing out as well that this is the first episode where Daniel probably wasn't the narrator of the episode. Because every yeah. single episode, he has got the first confessional, I think, so far. And it was Yoru who got the first confessional this week. Which is very interesting, I think. Then it is Nabil, for much the same reasons that you were slightly suspicious of him. He didn't necessarily do anything super suspicious this week, but he didn't not. Yeah. It's weird. And then, for my own peace of mind, Yoru is my second... And then I'm on Anchor. Again. Because Anchor's whole story this week was all about people trusting her. And if she is the mole, she knew that she needed to be trusted. And the best case scenario, you can get the person with the highest case out of the game with two and a half thousand euros if they are not the person who was going to get the red screen. Because that's the only way a high value case leaves the game. So she knew she needed to be trusted. And if the first challenge next week has a huge impact on it, I think Anka's going to look far more suspicious than she does now. I don't think if you were the mole and you got into that sort of position where you got to basically assign the cases, I don't think if you knew who was going home, you would assign the person who was going to replace them getting eliminated with the zero euro case. Like I don't think she played it right if she was the mole. My reservation is I don't think the mole knew who the replacement one was. So, yeah, that's kind of why I suspect Anka mm. at the moment. And she's just been inherently sus for all the season so far. There's no better way to put it. Like, I'm just a little bit suspicious of her and always have been. And final question, who do you think is going home next week, if anyone? Um, That's a good question, because we're seeing... More of Nabil. We're seeing slightly more of Renomi. And I think she's, whoever she's on, I think she's sort of at least aware enough of what's going on that she might survive next week, even though she's got you know, no edit at all. The only thing I can think of is either Soy got the red screen and then split 
so severely that he can't get any information out of it uh, and then goes home anyway. Or Renomi is just wrong. And I don't know. But I did predict last week that if there was a twist with this elimination, Arnik would go home. So I would like credit for that. Thank you. You did, yes. Annoyingly, I was trying to skip over that so you don't get too smug. I know. Yeah, I think I think it will be either Nabil, Soy, or Renomi. And I know that's spreading far too much at this point in the game, but whichever one of Nabil or Soy got the red screen, I think it's going to throw them a little bit. Yeah. And I think depending on whether they can spend their cases on Yokers or whatever, which is likely, let's be honest, would you have a pot drain of some description? I think whoever buys lots of Yokers will be will be obviously the person who got the red screen. Yeah. But I feel like edit-wise, it's probably going to end up being Renomi. Selfishly, yeah. I would love it to be Yora, just so we can rule him out as a suspect once and for all. <laughs> Shut up. Trust me, I, you have no idea how much I would love to say something different in that section. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying this as someone who has done a lot of these podcasts at this point. I know what you're thinking, where it's just like, I'm getting to the point of the season where I have to keep suspecting Yura, because if I don't, and he ends up being the mole, I'm going to look like a fool. Yeah. So for our own peace of mind, I just want him gone, so that we know for certain he's not the mole. And also so you can say literally anything else in the suspicion section. I I think we can agree it's not going to be Daniel or Anka, though, because they're getting too much of an edit compared to everyone else. No, I still think it's Anka. Going home next week. Oh, God, no. Not going home. Yeah, I I think Daniel and Anka are going to be two of the final three. Yeah. perfectly honest. I mean, I'd love the clean sweep of all three of the final three being on my team, but I think probably, hand on heart, that it's Daniel Winner and Anka's mole right now, mm. which is fun for me, because, you know, I win on two accounts if it is. Have you got anything else you want to say? What's my first suspicion score? So your first suspicion score at the moment is 31. Oh, that's not too bad. With the lowest being 21, and the highest currently being 37. Yeah. So sort of somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You are, just to depress you a little bit, equal with Logan Saunders. <laughs> but to be fair to him, he did have a good week this week, thanks to him putting Annie yeah. last. But the fun thing is I've been putting Yura first on the suspect list every week. So even if I you know lose the hell out of this, if Yura's the mole... <laughs> If you're as the mole, you equal win first suspicions as well, so... Yeah. You might do the double here. I don't know how. No, I don't know how either. It'd be very depressing if you do. Yeah. Alright, thank you for listening to our VSML 2023 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new mole in South Africa. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact us at rtvwarriors.com. Bindles is on Twitter at the Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Helmstone. Also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. Of course, Anka gave Daniel a big one. You are the dancing queen, young and sweet, only 17. Gah!